Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome everybody. Coach Rick Seguisi, Think Outside the Diamond. I wanted to uh, do a special show today. We have a special um, special guest that's going to be calling in. He's uh, Phil. He is in, in former San Francisco Giants catcher, and he works with some big, big names in, the, in Los Angeles, California. He's working with John Carlos Stanton, and he's recently uh, working with the uh, Rangers' first-round pick, Josh Morgan, and uh, Daniel Robertson, who plays for the Tampa Bay Rays, to name a few. So he's had some uh, professional experience um, with hitting and teaching some guys, and he's, he's just a great, uh, great coach. So um, we're going to be uh, getting him calling in right now, and uh, I want to get some feedback from him, and, and, and hopefully you guys get some, uh, some, great, some great information. Hey, Phil, how you doing today? Good, Rick. How is everything down there in uh, Naples, Florida? Oh, that's that's doing all right. It's uh, it's it's pretty uh, pretty warm today. It's getting that nice spring day, so it's it's doing well. How about you in L.A. Excellent. area? Good, good. We got a little rain this morning, but it's good. Uh, been on the phone uh, most of the day talking with uh, some of our minor leaguers that uh, started their seasons off with a bang, and uh, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. That is a good thing. And that's, and we want to thank you for joining us for the, on the show today because we wanted to talk some, some about some hitting today with you and talk about some of the things, some of the drills you use because you work with some of the, some, some big name players and some minor leaguers and a lot of pro different guys, you know, and I wanted to uh, share, with, share with the audience what you use and some of the drills you use, some of the products you use and, and hitting drills and everything that you use with some of these pro guys. Well, it'd be my pleasure. I mean, it's pretty simple what we do. I'm. Uh, how can I say this? The, the easiest thing to do is uh, teach a kid how to hit. And uh, there is 25,000 hitting instructors across this country completely uh, off the tracks when it comes to it. Um, most importantly for a kid to learn how to hit is he has to start being able to make consistent contact without consistent contact it doesn't matter what your swing looks like doesn't matter how you hold the bat how you stand how aggressive you are the key to being a great hitter and all great hitters have the same approach when it comes to squaring up the ball they make sure they do not miss their pitch and that is what is uh, a cancer in America. Too many kids yeah. swing and foul off the ball. They should be crushing. And uh, that is something that uh, just boggles my mind as a former player. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so, you know, that's, you see it a lot. You know, just they, they don't they miss their pitch and they get back, you know, get, you know, back in the count and they get a bad hitter's count and, before you know it, they're they're swinging at a pitcher's pitch, and you know the the dribbling one to third base, or you know, so that's that's important. So, what's the key you think is in hitting? What do you feel like some of the drills that could help these kids, and some of the, maybe some of the aids that you use that uh, really help these kids um, square up more consistently? Well, we manufacture a product called the Sledge Bat. It is without a doubt the number one training bat used by Major League Baseball, college players, high schools and uh, athletes across the country. 
um, not just in baseball, but also in softball. Now, we have more than one type of training bat because each one of our training bats helps the athlete learn to feel and do something that is contrary to what they have always thought they were supposed to do. Uh, when we see a player walking up to the plate and swinging at a first pitch slider low and away that they shouldn't be swinging at, it, it, it shows me that, A, they didn't identify the pitch out of the pitcher's hand. But also, it dictates the fact that regardless of what they want to do, not putting the bat where the ball needs to intersect the bat. And that type of training is not normal for an athlete to learn how to do. Um, I mean, it's the ultimate goal, but the key is to how to get the athlete to make his body do it automatically. Uh, the greatest hitters I ever yep. played against and with uh, may not have had the perfect swing. They may not have had uh, the best vision. They may not have had the best approach, but what they did do is when they swung the bat, it was an aggressive, firm swing, and they didn't miss their pitch. They hit it hard. I mean, Rick, uh, you and I have had these conversations before. I played uh, about 10 years of minor league baseball, and I had some time in the big leagues. And I'm telling you, I could not hit a breaking ball. And it didn't matter that I couldn't hit a breaking ball. I never missed the fastball. Well, I'm not going to say never, but as a percentage, when I swung the bat, I hit that ball and I hit it hard. I lived off of hitting a fastball. Now, I didn't care where I hit it unless the situation decided that I needed to pull the ball to move a runner over. But my job was to hit the ball hard and hit the ball square. And after that, you leave the uh, fate up to God. But um, learning how to make consistent hard contact is what every hitting coach should be working with these kids. At least that's what I believe. And, uh, you know, me and my friends that are all teaching baseball and working with professional athletes, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's no question about it. I mean, if you, you can have the prettiest swing, but if you're not making consistent hard contact, uh, it's not really doing much for you. They're not paying you or getting you to go come on a scholarship just to see a nice pretty swing. They want, they want to see results. So that's uh that's a big part. And, so tell me a little bit about you know the all bats. Love, I mean, you know we all yeah, you know we all love that pretty swing. But you know what I love to see? Yeah. I love to see balls flying into the gaps. Um, right. I'm not going to throw a kid under the bus here, but we have a player at one of our local high schools that has absolutely the prettiest swing you have ever seen. I mean, it wow. is absolutely nails on a beautiful swing. And he makes contact about 10% of the time. And the ball is thrown wow. by him. His point of contact is off. Um, and maybe he'll figure that out eventually. Uh, but when, when I watch him swing, I just sit there and go, wow, if this kid ever figures it out. Now, he may not figure it out, but that's why it's called baseball and only the, the elite survive. Those of us that were yeah. able to figure out how to do it. Now, we make one of our products is called a sledge bat, and it is a perfect contact training bat, but it's also balanced weighted. 
And the reason it's balanced weighted is because it forces the athlete to make perfect contact on a baseball off a batting tee, and it should only be used off of a batting tee. Um, but instead of focusing on mechanics and sensors and tracking information, and there's a lot of great programs out there, but all those programs do is measure what the athlete did. They never help the athlete to feel how to get there. Um, and I'm going to use an example of riding a bicycle for the first time, Rick. The first time yeah. uh, your father and mom and maybe your older family members helped you learn how to ride a bicycle, uh, you could have seen them riding a bicycle for years. I mean, people have been riding a bicycle for 100 years. But when you first got on that bike and you tried to ride it, you fell down. And you fell down over and over again because seeing and doing are two different things. And you had to feel your correct balance and weight and the distribution of power to get the inertia flowing in the correct direction. That is what every athlete goes through as a hitter. And in order to be able to do that, you have to know when you're doing it wrong. And with a sledge bat, every single time you swing a bat at a ball, a stationary ball off a batting tee, if you make so much as a one-quarter of an inch mistake hitting that ball square, if you pull off your shoulder just a little bit, if you uh, roll your wrists just a a little bit, you actually feel and visually see that impact and the results of doing it incorrectly. So we're not talking about swing planes here. We're talking about perfect contact. And it really does make a hitter learn to do it right. Just like you and I and most of the adults in this country um, can tie their shoes without looking. We can get on a bicycle today and probably ride a bicycle without falling all over ourselves. It's, it's, it's training of that balance and how to do something one time. And with a sledge bat, once the kid learns how to get there, his mechanics have taken care of itself. Now, there's still going to be wow. a, a great need for fantastic coaches like yourself. And those coaches are there to, hey, you need to see the ball better. Don't jump at the ball. I mean, sledge bats will help you off a stationary tee. But there's still adjustments that need to be made. And those adjustments are going to be constant in the game of baseball or in any other game. And those adjustments, that is where the hitting coach comes into play. Now, I'm going to use a major league hitting instructor, for example. And I know a whole, geez, a whole bunch of them. Um, And they all use our products with uh, their major league players and and their minor league players. Um, Major league hitting coach is not there to teach a hitter how to hit. It was his job to learn how to hit before he got there. That hitting coach's job is to keep him on track as best he can in the way that the athlete learned how to hit. It's his job to keep him focused and doing things correctly. And then if the kid starts wandering, I mean, we've both played those long seasons, right, where your shoulder starts hurting. Well, you got to make an adjustment when you're hitting because you can't throw the ball and now your shoulder hurts and you can't, you can't really turn on the ball or you can't hit. Or maybe the pitcher's got a really nasty stinker that he's throwing. We have to make adjustments to that. 
And those little adjustments are where that hitting coach really comes in with his focus on showing you, hey, stay back a little longer. That ball's running away from you. And then the the reminder from those great coaches is what most coaches throughout the country don't see. They always say, oh, let the ball come travel deeper. But they don't understand what that really means in relationship right. to the point of contact. And I know you do, and that's why – it's so nice to be able to speak with you on this subject. That's great. No, you're right. Absolutely right. It, I, I see that a lot. People like coaches will say something or, you know, they're more coaching. They're not teaching. Well, how do you do that? You know, like you talk about the psychological part, like relax. Well, great. How do you relax? You know, but that's the same concept, you know, what you're saying. It oh. gives you that, that, that feel factor. That's good. Right. Now, and, and I totally agree with that. One of the things I tell um, hitters, and I've got uh, one boy, one of my sons is playing uh, professional baseball right now, and one's in college ready to come out in the, this year's draft, and I've got a junior in high school, and they're both, you know, all three of them are fantastic athletes. But it, it all comes down to just strictly being training. Um, one of my biggest uh, concerns nationwide in hitting is all these coaches that want players to force or push or try to hit the ball the opposite way. Now I understand where they where what they're trying to say. They want to let the player let the ball travel deeper so they don't pull off the breaking ball. Well, the reason they're pulling off the breaking ball is because they haven't trained their muscles well enough so that they can be quicker at identifying that breaking ball. I mean, you and I both played yeah. as kids growing up, and we couldn't hit a breaking ball when we were young. Would you agree? Yep, yep, Well, For we sure. couldn't hit it because by the, as soon as the pitcher threw it and we identified it, it was too late. We had already started our swing. Well, the big league athletes and the really great athletes, as they start maturing, getting into 16-, 17-year-old stages – they actually are able to pick up rotation, and when they start their swing, they get to start their swing later. They get to, they know they can get their barrel where they need it to be on that pitch, and they decide uh, within a few feet of the ball leaving the pitcher's hand, whether it's a ball, they've identified the pitch, and then if they're going to swing at it, they know where they need to put their hands and the barrel of the bat. That's what's missing. That's why it's so difficult as a coach that wasn't there as a hitter. Maybe he could do it. Maybe he couldn't do it. But it's so difficult for coaching to get players to do what they, they want them to do because they can't get them to feel how to do it. I can't right. make you feel your back elbow during a swing. I can tell you it's flying open or flying up, but I can't make you feel it. With a sledge bat, yeah. it forces the athlete to make those adjustments, and they actually feel it. That's key. And that's, I think that's what separates a lot of products on the field is that, like you said, it's just they can feel everything has to be proper for them to make solid contact with that bat. That's, that's really great. That's really great. Yeah. What's some of the, the, the some of the um, 
drills that you do with a sludge bat that that you like to do? Obviously, the t a lot of t work, and and do you do any specific drills with that bat? Yeah, we have we have several drills that I like to use when uh, every every player in the country that uses a sledge bat does the same thing. So they start off putting a ball belt high down the middle, um, and their job is to hit the ball and line it up and hit a line drive right at the pitcher. I mean, I want them to hit it right at the pitcher's head. Uh, and the reason for that is if they pull off in any way or they roll their hands in any way, they didn't hit a line drive at the pitcher. And they will constantly make adjustments in where they're standing or in their swing plane or where their hands or wrists go. And they will start doing it automatically because they'll get frustrated on why they can't hit a line drive up the middle. Now, if we would have hand those same kids uh, their bats, they could probably hit line drives up the middle all the time. But with a sledge bat, uh, it shows that all those line drives that they were hitting they were using eight to 10 inches of the barrel. And in reality, eight to 10 inches of the barrel as you're hitting, it, that's not success. Big league hitters hit with four inches of the barrel. I mean, every now and then you see a guy fist the ball and hit it the other way, or the ball was actually thrown by a, a hitter. But generally speaking, if you go watch them take batting practice and just listen to the sound, they're hitting the ball dead center on a sweet spot. And uh, yeah. it's an explosive sound. And, and you've heard that. Now, you don't get to hear it very often. But when you hear it, that's the kid I want to start watching. And that's the kid the scouts look for. They want to hear that explosive sound. Now, some kids have high bat speed. Some kids have lower bat speed. Bat speed is important. But as important as bat speed is, perfect point of contact is what's key. I mean, Pete Rose had over 4,000 hits with lousy bat speed. How, how do you turn around and tell Pete Rose he can't hit? Um, you don't. Right. There's guys in the big leagues that have bat speed 25 miles an hour faster than Pete Rose, hitting 220 every year. Um, I mean, and they're bigger and stronger than Pete ever was. So it all yeah. comes down to perfect point of contact, and at that, Pete Rose was absolutely one of the greatest there ever was. That's right. No, no question about it. He seemed like he, he put the bat on the ball whenever you needed to. Wow. He, he well, was magic. He was magic. Yeah, he was. And a guy not too far from you in San, in San Diego was pretty good himself, Tony Gwynn. Right? And, uh, yeah, he was, and, and he was a Carew. pleasure to play against. Yeah. He was a pleasure to play against and uh, actually had uh, Rod Crew as uh, a coach one time. Rod and I have had uh, uh, hundreds of conversations over the year, and I know he's uh, over the years, and he's just coming through uh, some uh, major surgery, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, everything turns out well for him. Uh, God knows yes. the, the man has uh, had a tremendous career and uh, had some challenges in his life, but when it comes down to – Baseball, you know, he was the guy I always tried to emulate. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was a special hitter. What's what? I mean, is there anything you can share with the audience? Any conversations you've had with 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 Rod in the pre, you know, in the, in the, in the recent times that you know that's really stood out to you um, about hitting? Well, last conversation I had with Rod, uh, we were talking about uh, a major league baseball player. 
Um, and this, we're talking about a five-tool player. And I won't use the kid's name, but five-tool player right. uh, playing in the major leagues, and the kid was struggling. And when I mean a five-tool player, I mean hit, hit for power, run, throw. The only thing he couldn't do is hit for average. I mean, if we gave him credit for how many times he hit the ball solid off the bat in 10 swings at the plate or 10 balls put in play, uh, it wasn't even close to three or four. And I'm telling wow. you, as, as, a, as a hitter, when you go up there and hit the ball, um, regardless of whether you get hits or not, you need to judge your, your at-bats on how often you, you crush it. You don't have to hit it over the fence. Mm-hmm. You hit a perfect line drive. You know what? You come back to the dugout, you won that at-bat. And I want kids yep. to win their at-bat. I don't care if they, they can get five hits in the course of a game and I can sit there and say, kid can't play. Or the kid's got a lousy swing. That'll never work in high school or college. Or he's never going to get the pro ball. But you show me a kid that I walk out to the ball field and I can see him squaring up balls all day long. I don't care, I don't care if that kid finishes the season hitting 240 or 250, that kid's going to continue to play. That kid's going to get drafted. That kid's got a shot at playing this game. And not because, you know, we're just talking offense. I mean, if he can't field and play catch, that's a different story. But hitters make a special sound when they hit the ball. And that special sound, because of all these aluminum bats and everything that's happened through the – engineering of baseball equipment that has uh, really failed uh, the people and the athletes in our country. That's why so many athletes come from overseas. They don't have aluminum bats. They have wood bats. Yeah. And I realize wood yep. bats are expensive, but those kids coming from overseas, uh, you know, they make their own bats if necessary. When they get, right. when, you know, they have to hit to get off their islands. You know, I mean, mean, they really have to hit. And you know what? There's some great athletes coming from over there. And meanwhile, we have all the equipment and technology in the world to help hitters over here, but it's not producing game-changing players. I mean, we still have some great athletes here. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about, uh, you know, the next Roberto Clemente is probably going to come from overseas. Um, Yeah. You know you know, look, Mike Trout is a generational player, um, and he wasn't a superstar in high school. He was a good player. His high school coach and I are very good friends. We speak probably once once a week or once a month. Uh, his high school mm-hmm. coach is a very good high school coach. And even he said he didn't realize how special Mike Trout was going to be. But what he did see was a kid that could make contact, that wasn't as big as he is now. You know, he saw a kid that made good, solid contact. He saw a kid that can run and throw. But he saw great instincts, not just offensively, but defensively. And the only thing that needed to improve is he needed to mature, start getting his man body. And because he kept improving with a stick, um, he's now the world's greatest baseball player. I mean, by far. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he's in he's in his own league. Yeah, definitely. 
Wow, that's impressive that you said that because, you know, like, you know, there's, there's some kids out there that might not, you know, like you said, they didn't grow into their body yet. And it's like that's a good message to say, hey, don't give up. You know, I mean, you never know when you're going to spurt. You never know when, you know, something might just click, you know. Um, that's that's Rick, great. I'll give that's you a, a great, perfect yeah. example. My, my junior in high school, you know, he's had a sledge bat since he was 10. I mean, there's been wow. seasons that he is just a monster at blasting the ball. I mean, it doesn't matter, fastball, curveball, slider change, inside, outside, doesn't matter. There's been seasons that no matter who, I don't care if Randy Johnson, the lefty, the nasty lefty, got on the mound, right? He would have crushed Randy yeah. Johnson, right? Um, hmm. This year, he grew about five and a half inches before the start of the season. Um, he's wow. in high school. And you know what? His swing is an absolute mess. He can't – I don't think he can hit a ball off a tee correctly. And it's only because his muscles and tendons aren't allowing him to get there yet. And those things happen to players. And it's not because it's the hitting coach or uh, he's not swinging at strikes. It's because during the stretching and the growing stages of athletes, uh, we all know there's things, there's things that you can't do. I remember when I was a junior in high school, my shoulder hurt so much, I couldn't even barely throw the ball to the pitcher's mound. Um, and I wow. didn't understand why. But that year, I could absolutely crush. Uh, my next year as a senior in high school, I could catch and throw with anybody. That's one of the reasons I made it to the big leagues. But that senior year, I couldn't even make contact. Um, and then it took another year, and then all of a sudden – my growth spurts and bodies came back into alignment, and that's the key uh, for parents. Don't panic when your kids are growing and they can't perform. Just understand that these are cycles, and as long as they're training on doing what they need to do, eventually everything will settle down, and they'll be able to do what the athlete wants to do. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great message because I think I see that, you know, you see that all the time too. You know, it's, these kids are getting, you know, just not, they're getting the Osgood slaughter. They're growing so fast. Their tendons and ligaments can't keep up. And, you know, it's just, it's a lot going on in their body, you know. So I think that's a good, that's a really good message that I think gets un, mis, un, mis, uh, missed a lot because uh, there's a lot going on in the kid's body at 13, 14, you know. Right. Wow. And, and, and that's why, and that's why there's so many things that you do at your facility that I love. Uh, you work with kids on fast twitch muscles training, eye-hand coordination drills. You're using the sledge bats with them. You're using our top hander with them to teach them to drive down and through the ball. Now, when I say down, that doesn't mean chop at the ball. And People always misunderstand that conception of what swinging yeah. down through the ball means. Um, uh, you know, a good level swing, you know, everybody's talking about, hey, we want to have a 25 to 30 degree uphill path because that's what we've charted in Major League Baseball. Well, you know what? There's Major League Baseball fields that are smaller than some high school fields. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to give you a comparison. I don't think anybody's ever told you this. Uh, what's the difference between today's baseball fields and baseball fields in the 80s and the 70s. Um, first of all, 
a kid hitting 280 today most likely is a 230 hitter back in the 80s. And I'm going to explain to you why. The fields are smaller. Because the fields are smaller, I mean, there's less outfield distance, more balls are going over the fence, right? That's about mm-hmm. 15 or 20 points, right? Because they took all the foul ball territory away from most every field, there's hardly any foul ball territory. The average player um, in professional baseball would normally pop up three to five times out of every 100 at-bats in foul territory. That's just an average. Well, that's 50 points yeah. you don't get a chance to get. Well, nowadays, wow. because the foul territory is all gone, the three of them land in the bleachers. That gives you two more chances to get a hit. Instead of going back to the plate, you missed your pitch. So yep. let's just say we have 30 points because the fences are in, 30 points uh, because we no longer have foul ball territory. Now, pitching is better. Now, the reason the pitching is better is pitchers are throwing harder. The problem with that is they're throwing fastballs. Look, great hitters get to the big leagues because they can hit what? A fastball. Yep, fastball, yep. Clayton Kershaw is throwing his nasty slider or or his curveball, or some of these pitchers for the Cubs are just bringing it. Uh, There's a little kid, Hendricks, that pitched so well for the Cubs last year. I mean, he's a throwback to the 1980 pitchers. Uh, he hit his spots. He, 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 I mean, he gets ahead, he hits spots, everything has movement. I mean, that kid maybe doesn't throw 95, 96, but he's going to pitch for 20 years. Um, and he's going to win every year because hitters are yeah. just gearing up for that fastball. Um, and right. look, if you can't hit a fastball in the big leagues, you didn't get there in the first place. So That's right. it's easier to hit with all the fastballs coming. Uh, and quite frankly, the easiest way to do it is just don't swing at the breaking ball. Eliminate it. That's right. You know, like That's right. It's like hitting That's... off of Justin Verlander. When he is throwing his 95-mile-an-hour fastball and he's got that overhand hook, you know how you hit off Justin Verlander? Don't swing at his breaking ball. That's right. You know, yep. Don't swing That's at right. it until you get two strikes. Look. Yep. He's got to throw you. He can't throw three curveballs for a strike. Well, he might throw three, but they're not three nasty ones. He's gonna, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna mess one of them up. And you know what? That's the one you might be able to hit. But trust me, when he throws that nasty one, you're not hitting it. You're not hitting anybody's nasty curveball in the big leagues. Not for batting average, anyway. That's right. So we That's used right. to eliminate pitchers. You know. It's a great game. There's challenges. Uh, the game is uh, modified a little bit, but a kid that can come up and put the barrel on the ball is a beautiful thing. Um, there's sure one guy is. I always like to talk about uh, baseball. Um, uh, we're all familiar with Chris Bryant won the MVP last year with the Cubs. They won a World Series. Great athlete. But when he was in college down in uh, San Diego, I went to watch him with one of my friends, uh, great scout, George Genovese. And George was actually with uh, a special assistant scout. He was in his 90s at the time. And uh, George has recently passed away about a year and a half ago. But we went down to watch Chris Bryant hit. And uh, George said, hey, Phil, you're really going to love this. 
So I went down there and I watched Chris Bryant hit. I probably saw him play seven or eight games. And I came away from that seven and eight games after watching him hit. And George and I were actually sitting down at a Denny's, and he said, so, Phil, what do you think of Chris Bryant? I said, I don't like his swing. He goes, you don't? I said, nope, I don't like it. But, George, it doesn't matter if I like it. The kid squares the ball up. He's got a unique swing plane. What he does, I could never have done as an athlete. So if I was a hitting coach and I turned around and got a Chris Bryant and said, okay, what you're doing, I'm going to totally change it because I don't think it's going to work. I'm going to make you do it my way. You know, we may never have had Chris Bryant. We may That's never right. have had That's Mike true. Trout. I mean, Mike Trout hits a low ball better than any left-handed hitter I've ever seen, and Mike Trout bats right-handed. I mean, yeah, true. I, I could never have yeah. done that. I mean, but how, you don't change that guy. You let their success, right. and you help them with their success. Uh, too many cookie-cutter exactly. uh, hitting coaches out there. I know you don't believe in cookie-cutter hitting coaches, you believe in working with those kids and bring out the talent in them instead of it's my yep. way or the highway. And I really hate that. And I know right. you do too. Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah, it is. It's like everything has to be, it's like everything is just individualized. You know, you have to work with the hitter, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not your way. It's what's going to be best for them. You know, unbelievable. And, 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 that's and, great. and that's one of the reasons why we developed the sledge bat. And, and, and how mm-hmm. come we did so much study and developing and engineering on a sledge bat? Because it forces the hitter to do things correctly, but in his style, in his, his swing plane. Because it doesn't matter if he drops his shoulder or if, he, if his hands uh, drag inside more or if he has a funny load. None of that matters as long as the kid can consistently get there. And as he improves and moves up the line in the higher and higher ball, um, the kid is going to have to consistently make adjustments. I mean, you know, look, Chris Bryant had to make adjustments when he got to the big leagues. Mike Trout had to make adjustments. I mean, you're talking about the best of the best. Um, Yeah. You know, uh, being a hitter is a daily adjustment. Now, that doesn't mean it's a daily adjustment where I'm going to change my swing. It's a daily adjustment because you know how the pitcher wants to pitch you. Uh, You know what their goal is. I know what his goal is. We have charts and readouts of how pitchers are going to pitch you, and you got to be able to take that and then always be ready for him to make that one mistake. And, you know, pitchers can't throw the ball and hit hit a pinhead. You know, they're going to miss too. Uh, When they miss – don't foul it off. That's the pitch you want to drive. Um, so it, it that's it's right. fun. It's really fun. It is. It is. And that's exactly, I think that's a great message. You know, like you said, is be aggressive, be aggressive. And like you said, you know, you know, be aggressive and hit that, hit, you know, hit their mistake pitches, you know, and be aggressive. Don't wait for that curveball. Be, you know, hurt that fastball. Uh, I think it's great. You know, that's now, great, great now advice how, right how there. How many guys, how many guys have you seen that can actually go up to the plate and look for a breaking ball and just pound it? I don't see. I don't see it first too often. Pitch, first pitch breaking ball. 
<laughs> I don't Josh see that Donaldson, often. Huh? Matt, yeah. Manny Ramirez can do it. Adrian Gonzalez can do it. Andre Easier did, yeah. does it as well as anybody. Um, now, remember, in order for them to come up and look for that pitch, they know that pitcher has a history of, I'm going to throw a get-it-over-breaking-ball and get ahead of this guy. And then the hitter has to know uh, where he he makes a physical adjustment. Well, maybe not a physical adjustment, but he makes a, an adjustment on where the pitch the pitcher's release is going to be, and then he sits on that pitch. I actually mm-hmm. have a son that can do it, Rick. Uh, uh, don't ask me how. I mean, he hits more breaking balls, uh, you know, off the fences and in the gaps than anybody I've ever seen. Um, I just sit there and laugh. I'm like, you know, Dad, did you see that, you know, double I hit off the gap? Yeah. Uh, I said, was that a breaking ball first pitch? And he goes, yeah. And I said, how did you hit that? And he goes, well, I knew he was going to throw it. But it's not that he knew he was going to throw it. Uh, he anticipated that pitch coming. He knew he was getting ready to have his timing for that pitch. And then the key was he did not miss it. That is right. the difference between a professional hitter and a high school and college hitter and, and a lot of guys. I mean, look, mm-hmm. I was a good hitter, but I could not have done that. Um, I would have just spit on it and taken it, knowing that that pitcher is not going to throw uh, three of them. He's not getting me out on three breaking balls. I just spit on it. I'll, I'll look for something that is my strength. But when your strength as a hitter is you're able to square up anything in any location at any time, if you anticipate, anticipate that pitch, you just have something that is special. And, you yeah. know, we all want to see those kids, and it really is fun to watch that. It is. It is fun. And that's, that's great when they do their homework like that and they hunt for pitchers, you know, and they know – you know, from tendencies and, and stuff, that's great. Uh, I think that's the biggest part of hitting, too, that kids forget when they're not at the plate, they should be engaged in, the, in each other, everyone else's at bat, you know, so they see what's going on and how the umpire's calling and how the pitcher's attacking them and all that stuff. So that's that's a great advice, great advice. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the, uh, the best advice that I was ever given by uh, uh, a major league manager and uh, – uh, and he actually changed my approach uh, when I was first signed uh, to go play uh, professional baseball. Um, his name was Hank Sauer. And I don't know if you remember Hank Sauer. I mean, he played back in the 40s or the 50s. I mean, he was a really old guy when I first got signed. You know, kind of like a Sparky Anderson kind of old guy. Uh, but Hank mm-hmm. Sauer was a monster. And... I remember the first time I met Hank Sauer, and he's a big guy. I mean, he had 6'5". He had hands that were, you know, he shook my hand, and I kind of lost an arm. Um, he was wow. he was just a, a beast at how big he was. And uh, uh, Hank Sauer said, son, I like your swing. And I said, thank you, sir. Um, and he says, this, he goes, because I like your swing, I'm going to give you uh, some advice. Uh, and 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 I wish all the people listening to this conversation would always take this and understand the importance of this. Whenever a kid is playing baseball on a team, there's always one other guy that has a similar type swing. Would you agree? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, for yeah. Hank Sauer, what he said is, Phil, if there is a guy that has similar power, similar type swing, uh, and a uh, similar approach and everything he does, watch how they pitch to him in the game. And that is probably how they're going to pitch to you. Wow. You know, lots That's of kids great. get in the on-deck circle, and they prob- they, uh, and you see videos and Twitter stuff about, look, all four of these guys are practicing timing. Well, they shouldn't be practicing timing. You know, yeah, you can practice your timing, but what they should be doing is if that kid that is up there hitting is not the same type of hitter that they are, Practice timing, but don't look at the hitter. If they're the same hitter that they are, practice timing and study the pitchers being thrown. Because it gives you – it's like taking the curtains off a window before you walk up to the the plate. You you have an idea, and you could change your approach. And, you know, there's nothing wrong to going up there and hunting a pitch, and a guy throws a fastball inside – and you just take it. I mean, That's right. pitchers hate when they throw a first pitch fastball, you know, on the inner half of the plate, and they release it, and they go, crap, I missed. And the hitter just takes it. The hitter goes, yeah. oh, what do I yeah. throw now? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe I see if I can come in there again. You know, and, and they're punished. Um, when you learn how to hunt pitches and you learn those things – little things that we learned going through the minor leagues. Because I had some really fantastic coaches. One of the greatest hitting instructors in the history of the baseball game, Jim LaFever, was one of my uh, uh, minor league coaches and managers. And a great man, a great hitting instructor. Um, I mean, he knew the game. He knew the offensive game. Um, Great manager on the field. Uh, But, you know, there were certain things that, he was able to pass along to us younger players. That is also one of the reasons why he's so sought after as a hitting coach and an instructor. He, he was a big league manager. He was rookie of the year. I mean, we're talking about a guy that not just knew how to hit, but felt how to hit, that could communicate how to hit. And he never believed in the cookie-cutter approach. To this day, I'm thankful for uh, some of the guys I got to work out with. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, Jim Lefevre, what a great baseball mind he is. Man, great, great. Uh, some of the remember some of the videos that he used to put out and hitting and stuff. They were just outstanding. Wow. Yeah, that's well, great. Most aggressive, most aggressive offensive manager I have ever played with. I mean, wow. Look, when you when you were, I'm, no question about it. Most aggressive offensive manager. Um, we had a team in AAA in 1986, and he was our manager. And uh, we didn't have a great pitching staff that year. But you know what we did do? We had, at any given time, our team could put up eight or ten runs. I mean, just an explosive offense. Um, mm. Anchored by one of the guys that uh, you might have heard of. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, do you remember the name Rick Lancelotti? Yes. Yeah. From Buffalo, New York. Wow. You know, this was a kid that um, got my all-time greatest left-handed hitter. 
Um, no question, he should have put 25 years in the big leagues as a hitter. He was absolutely amazing. Um, never got the opportunities like he should have, but that was part of 1980s. Um, but right. he was really special to watch. I mean, he hit 30 home runs a year, drove in 100 RBIs a year for 10 or 15 years in the minor leagues and just really couldn't get his foot in the door in the big leagues. Um, got a little time here and there, but uh, not like they should have. They should have just, you know, if if it was today's game of baseball, you know how uh, Texas Rangers have the athlete Joey Gallo? You're familiar with yeah. him? All right, well, yep. Joey Gallo's a very good ball player, but he can't play with Rick Lanzalotti. Not in a hundred years. I mean, uh, Joey Gallo would be sitting on the bench watching Rick Lancelotti crush. I mean, wow. no, don't get me wrong. Joey Gallo would have been on the field, but trust me, Rick Lancelotti would have been batting fourth on that team. <laughs> you know, Ooh, uh, nice. I mean, he was, he, he was really something special to watch. Wasn't going to hit 300 every year, but you know what? He hit the hardest 275 to 300 you ever saw. I mean, he wow. never had an infield hit. You know what? When he went up there to wow. swing, it was about him compressing that baseball. And uh, mm-hmm. he could compress it. I mean, it sounded like an explosion every time he hit it. And he hit it often. Wow. That's unbelievable. What, a, what I mean, you, some of these hitters are just, uh, you know, what they would do nowadays, you know, with these a lot of people say, what do they, what do they, how would the hitters in the past do now? I think a lot of them would be as successful as not more, you know? Oh, absolutely. I, I, look, I, I think that if you eliminated, you know, I think Major League Baseball, uh, you know, they still talk about all these pitchers. You know, like the fastball is still only thrown 60% of the time in the Major Leagues, right? Um, yeah. The problem with that is the 40% of the off-speed pitches, 90% of those are balls. Right, right. <laughs> That's what wow. they forget to tell everybody. 90% of the off-speed pitches thrown in the big leagues are balls. So if you're a hitter, and every time somebody throws an off-speed pitch, you just go, I'm not swinging at that. Well, guess what? What are you hitting almost all every pitch from now on? Right. When I was right. playing in the big leagues, if you couldn't throw a, back, a backdoor breaking ball on a 3-2 pitch, right, regardless if there's an open base or not, I mean, I can't tell you uh, – how many times uh, I was fouling off three, two breaking balls in the big leagues. And I just sit there like, Oh my God, why is anybody throwing a three, two breaking ball in the big leagues? Well, the key was because they could, and it was sharp and it was nasty and they didn't leave it on the inner half of the plate for me to turn on it. It was on that outside corner. Um, There's a ball game uh, show uh, to give you an example of, a hitter um, making a physical adjustment. Uh, the great Bob Brenly, we all know him as the World Series manager for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he's an announcer, I believe, with the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Bob Brenly was um, playing third base one game in the big leagues, and I believe I was catching. And, um, uh, you know, he made a few errors during that game playing third, uh, not because he wanted to, but just. That's part of the game. People make errors. But I remember in the last inning, he came up with uh, first and third, and we're down by two runs. And 
we're playing in Candlestick, a big ballpark. It's misty. The wind is blowing straight in from left center. Nobody has a chance to even hit a ball near the fence. Um, and the pitcher, and I, I, I'm not positive who it was. I, I don't remember who it was, quite frankly. But he threw Bob a 3-2 breaking ball. And mm-hmm. Bob hit it over the fence in left center. And you know what? Bob hit that ball probably 550 feet to get it to go 420 to, to reach our gap. I mean, it was absolutely mashed. And it was a walk-off uh, home run for the Giants. And we didn't jump around and stuff like they do now. It was just, all right, game's yeah. over. You know, let's put our equipment away and get ready for tomorrow. Um, you know, maybe we're not as, we weren't as exciting as they are today. Um, some of that is, just, you know, TV time overblown. Um, but his approach on that at bat, and I asked him the next day when we were in the clubhouse getting dressed, I said, Bob, uh, what made you think he was going to throw you a breaking ball? He goes, Phil, if he'd have thrown a fastball, it'd have been right by me. He goes, I sold out for that breaking ball. And wow. I said, you did? And he goes, absolutely. He goes, if he'd have thrown me a fastball, I was out. He goes, but I wasn't wow. going to let him get me out with his breaking ball. And I, and he has history with me. And that was the key. Bob told me he had thrown him three, two breaking balls in the past. And so Bob just That's said, well, he kept getting me out with it. He kept getting me out with it. And you know what? I'm getting ready for it. And right. that history in the past allowed him to make the adjustment to get him this time. Wow. What a, what a story. That's great. That's great. Well, we were just running out of time. I wanted to I want to thank you for ha- having you on the show and, and providing some of our audience some amazing uh, information and, and valuable tips. And, uh, and, I, and I, anywhere they can go to get that sledge bat, it's sledgebats.com if they're interested. Yeah, you know, and, we sell them on our, our website, sledgebats.com. We have dealers nationwide, and actually you're one of our dealers. Um, I know your yep. players have our training bats and our batting tees, and we do make the world's greatest batting tee, uh, as absolutely you can attest to. Um, but, yep. uh, you know, our stuff is used not just by Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, but, you know, we've won the last two college World Series in uh, colleges, um, well, with the teams that have our equipment. Uh, we've won several state championships already for high schools. Um well, way more than several. It doesn't matter. It's a lot. Uh, we've put teams yeah. in the Little League World Series. Um, you know, the All-Star Game wow. this year, you know, it was it was a sledge bat All-Star Game as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, you know, look, wow. we sell them. They're, it's a great product. It It is not a replacement for a good coach, but nobody uh, can spend 25 hours a week with a good coach. And the sledge bat right. steps in and forces you to do things correctly until you get back to your coach. And that's why it's so important. Instead of, you know, an hour a week with a good coach, you can do an hour a week with a good coach. And it's almost like you have a great coach with you for the next 15 hours a week you practice. And that's the key. The more we practice perfect, the more perfect we are going to be. And, that's you know, right. Then it's up to the coach and the player and work hard and learn how to do your stuff. And you know what? 
good things will happen for those that are prepared. But if you're not prepared, that's right. You know what? You better you better throw ninety five or run a six two sixty, because those guys right. get opportunities that's right. too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I can attest that bat is the bat's awesome. All my clients use it, and, and I can't can't uh, say how much how good it's helped in my clients improve their uh, point of contact and, and even power and and and, uh, and better exit speed. So, um, I know my clients love it, and, and uh, that's what we use. I think outside the diamond, but yeah, definitely head over to uh, to sledgebats.com. Take take a look because uh, their batting tees are first first uh, first class heavy duty. You'll never buy another batting tee. It's how good they are. So. Highly recommend that. But uh, I appreciate your time, Phil, and, and uh, I know the audience has gained a lot of knowledge from you, and uh, we appreciate people like you that's going to help keep the game going and keep the, keep the players playing strong like they like they have in the past. So, again, we, we thank you again for, for your time. Rick, it's absolutely my pleasure to work with uh, your company, Think Outside the Diamond. Uh, proud of what you're doing. Uh, anything that we can do to help an athlete, uh, you know, improve their skills is what we live for. Um, there's never been an athlete that we've said no to. I mean, we want them all to be uh, playing baseball as long as they can, as long as they're getting their college education first. I really am a strictler about that. I, I really want kids to get that college education because your baseball career or softball career can end on a foul tip in a dugout or, uh, you know, yeah. uh, a car accident. But that college will stay with you forever. But I still want athletes to get everything done. And uh, as long as you guys and good people like you are out there working with them, uh, these kids have a great opportunity, and I want them all to go for it. Absolutely. Well, well thank you again. Yeah, and let's keep it rocking. And I'm looking forward to uh, to, to put putting on to, to, together a, a sledge bat uh, party at my place. Hopefully, one of these times soon. Get these uh, get these people. Uh, get more people on board with this great product. Well, all you have to do, look, you're already in Florida. There's so many of them down there in spring training. You should just go over to some of the Gulf Coast uh, League teams and uh, have some fun. Yeah, definitely. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we'll, we thank you for having and uh, looking forward to having you come back on the show sometime, Phil, and uh, keep up the great work with Sludge Bats. We'll do that. Thank you, Rick, and you too. You have a great day. Thank you. You too, Phil. All right. Bye for now.